You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. So, Father, we thank you that we can meet online, God, even though we can, we're socially distanced, God, we can be spiritually engaged with one another. So, God, I pray that you would bless each and every person, man, woman, and child that might be tuning in or might be watching this or listening to this later in the week or maybe even next year, God. I pray that you would speak through me, God, and that you would speak in a powerful way, and that you would change our perspective. Lord, maybe our perspective is off, God, and give us just the ability to say, maybe we're wrong, maybe we don't know it all, God, and would you correct us, would you lead us, and would you bring true, abundant life, God, and just help us to know what you want us to know. God, we love you and we look forward to this teaching and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, um, if you guys are joining here online, welcome. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. If you could take a second, share it on your stream if you haven't already so that other people can know Jesus. If you, Again, you multiply the people. If each person has 100 friends and all 23 of us share it on our timeline, well, now all of a sudden we can reach 2,300 people, right? Just do the math there. Pretty amazing. So just take a second and share it. Um, but just to catch you guys up to what's happening, we're on a brand new series, so there's no better night to start than tonight, and it's called Perspective. And I just want to ask you a question. Again, this is interactive. And how many of you watching with us tonight know that perspective is important? How many of you guys know that perspective matters? Come on. Give me something. Give me a thumbs up. Give me a like. Give me a hand or say something on the chat there. How many of you know that perspective matters? Or in other words, how many of you know that the way you look at something matters? It's important. All right. It's important. Well, I hope to show you tonight that if you don't know that already, I hope to um, really illustrate this for you and to see that perspective matters. Prop. This is the uh, sorry. Let me get up here. Get into my preaching mode here. I just want to say this, that proper perspective leads to proper perception. That's the, the kind of the phrase that I want to build upon throughout this series. Proper perspective, and write this down if you take notes, or maybe write it in the chat there just so you can remember and others can remember. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. And so what I mean by that, and some of you guys are like, okay, that sounds fancy, sounds good. Sure, I can write it down, but what does it mean? Tell me what does it mean, Nick? And so this is what it means. It says a proper view of something, perspective, a proper view of something will lead to proper perception, which is an understanding of something. A proper view of something, if we can see something in the right light from the right angle, or maybe all angles, right, then we can actually understand it in a deeper sense. All right, give me a thumbs up if you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. We got to have the right view of something if we want to understand something. That's what I'm trying to say right now. So, for example, for example, and this is what I want to try and give you, give you guys, and this, bear with me here. All right, bear with me. Um, how do I want to do this? I've been thinking how to do this all day long, but I don't know the best way. But here we go. Um, this is my this is my illustration. All right. So I got a cylinder. 
here. All right, check it out. Little cylinder, just got a piece of tape on the inside. If you can see that, if you know what it is, just repeat it after me, uh, a cylinder. A little circular figure, right? All right, looks good. Um, you guys tracking with me, right? Good, proper perspective leads to proper perception, good stuff. And so again, this is a cylinder, nothing crazy. One of my kids' toys, I didn't go out and buy anything fancy, but this is a great illustration that I was thinking that God just kind of gave to me, and I just hope to illustrate this for you guys tonight. So this is a cylinder, but let's say that you don't know what this is at all. Let me try to illustrate this for you. Sorry, we got shadows all over the place. But with this flashlight, this is what we're going to do, all right? So with this, I want you to look at the shadow on the wall, okay? Shadow on the wall. Can you see it? And if you can see that shadow on the wall, there's my hand, right? There's the um, cylinder shadow. Just what does the shadow look like? If you couldn't see the cylinder, you didn't know anything about what I'm holding in my hand, what does that look like? Give me a little something, a little comment in the comment section. Enter the chat. Remember, this is interactive. I want to hear from you guys. We're in this together. We are the body of Christ. I can't do this alone without you. I look foolish just making a video by myself. You're there with me, guys, right? So what does that shadow look like? It looks like a circle. It looks like a circle. Maybe if I do one of these, you'd think like, oh, well, maybe it's a ball. All right? Okay, so it looks like a circle, and that's, that's not bad. All right? That's not bad. That's your perspective right now. And so if you had no idea what I was holding in my hand, you didn't see it on the video, I didn't tell you it was a cylinder beforehand, and you just looked at the shadow on the wall, and I said, what does this picture look like? I think most of us, we would either say it looks like a circle. It looks like a circle. Yeah, I see it all coming in now there, right? Curve, circle, circle, all right? And that's the idea. But the thing is, it's like we know if or if we know that it's a cylinder, we know that it has more depth than that. It's not just a circle. It's not just curved, right? It's not just, just a two-dimensional figure on the wall. It actually has more depth and character than it first puts on. So what we see is that it's a circle, um, but, but what we see about pers uh, perspective is that our perspective, if that's all we saw, it limits our ability to achieve perception and understanding of that. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Your perspective will limit your perception or your understanding of things in life. And I, and I hope that makes sense. Your perspective of something will limit your perception or your understanding of things in life, like the circle. So that, that circle, it shows us how our perspective, our view of something can be limited um, limited depending on how we're viewing it again if all we see is the shadow there that's all we see and that's how many people are when it comes to the bible all, they see the bible and they're like oh yeah this is god's word it's good it's two thousand years old two thousand plus years old right because it goes past that um but it, it's good it's god's word but if we know something at first glance you could say yeah it's god's word it's a bunch of words written down on paper but for some of us who have more deeper broader uh, perspective, we know that this isn't just a book of words. This isn't just a book that's from history and recording a bunch of stuff that happened in life and in the world miraculously through a God and through a guy named Jesus who came to the earth, right? It's like this is something that tells us who we are today. This is something that tells us what God wants to do with us today. This is something that tells us what's going to happen in the future. This is not just words in a book. So if you just have that shallow perspective like the picture on the wall of the, the sphere, we say, oh, it's just a circle. No, but it's so much more than that. 
It has depth. It has characteristics that you don't know. And when we look at the Bible, when we say, oh, well, it's just words on, the, on, the, on paper. It's just, it's just uh, yeah, sure, it's God's word. It's a history book. But man, that's stuff that happened 2,000 years ago. But it's, again, it's more than that. It's like, no, it's much deeper than that. Just like the circle isn't just a circle. It's a cylinder. It has depth. has more characteristics and qualities than it leads on to. And so this is, to take it a, a little step further, a little bit deeper, check out this one. Hopefully this works. We'll see. Again, I got my cylinder and all that jazz. But what do you see on the wall? What does that look like on the wall there? Maybe even better. See, the shadow on the wall is what I want you to look at, not the hand. I know it's, this is the best I got, okay? I, we're not fancy church, all that. What does that look like? A square. Thank you. It's a square. And so, so it looks like a square is what we would think, right? Yeah, it's a shadow. I know that, right? We get that. Um, but the idea here, again, it's perspective. How are you seeing things? See, from one perspective, if I shot the, 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 this straight on, well, it looks like, oh, a circle. Maybe it's a ball. I don't know, right? Again, look at the shadow on the wall. It looks like I've got a little ball, a sphere of some sort. But again, look, it's a cylinder. It's a little kid's toy rounded on the edges, little circles on top. But then again, if I change it to the side view, you look at the shadow on the wall. I'm trying to get you a good... I practice this like all day with a bunch of different types of lighting. Best I could do. I don't know. Anyways, um, but you look at it from a different perspective. What I'm trying to say is it looks like a square. It looks like a square. And if that was the only perspective you had on that thing, is that, that one picture of the square shadow, you would think without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, you'd say, well, it's some type of square. And I would say, well, how do you know that? And you might come at me with some, some different type of... Um, you might come out with me some different type of stuff you learn in school, geometry, and you're like, oh, well, it's a quadrilateral um, polygon, and so and it's got equal sides, all the sides equal the same length there, and then it has inside uh, angles that all equal 90 degrees, therefore it's a square. And you could say that, and you might even take that picture on the wall, and you say, well, it's a square, and I can show it to you and prove it to you mathematically. Right? And then you might be able, well, maybe it's not just a square, maybe it's a cube. Maybe it's a rectangle and it goes longer than, it, than we can see. But the idea here, what I want you to get here, is that our perspective will limit uh, it will, or it will hinder our ability to perceive what is actually true. Our, our ability to understand the truth. So again, understand that you don't know anything about that cylinder and you see the square and, and you just see that for what it is. And so you, you would say without a shadow of a doubt that, yeah, it's a square, but you would be wrong. You would be wrong. Are you guys tracking with me? I know it was a little messy. It's hard to do with the shadows. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying my best to illustrate this. I was so pumped about it. I was like, oh my gosh, look at it. It looks like a circle, but now it looks like a square, but it's not a square. <laughs> it's just... Anyways, silly stuff, but hopefully you're, you get the picture. And so although we, we see these things, we see it and it looks true, the perspective leads us to the wrong uh, perception, the wrong understanding. And how many times does that happen in Scripture? 
How many times does that happen in life with people with Scripture, where they have the wrong perspective of Scripture, the wrong perspective of life, and they look at something bad and they say, well, if God would allow these things that, to happen, then I just can't believe it all, right? They perceive it differently, but they don't understand that God owns everything. He's created everything with a plan and a purpose, and He will take the things that people meant to harm you and to hurt you, and He'll actually turn it for good. He says He uses all things together for good. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. God is a Redeemer. Somebody say amen. Come on. And so that's the perspective that we need to have right there. And so, but, uh, but a non-believer, maybe an atheist, maybe if you're an atheist joining, I just want to even just challenge you and just say, hey, would we have a better perspective? If that's the only perspective you've ever had of life, we're going to actually look at a dude tonight. His name's Paul in, in Philippians chapter one, who had one perspective beforehand. He was so sure that, hey, no, that shadow is a square. It's a square, for sure. It's a square. And, but then he, he ends up living his life pursuing what he thought he knew. And turns out he was so wrong, guys. So wrong. That's why perspective matters. How we look at something matters. If you agree with that, can you say it with me in the chat? Perspective matters. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. Proper view of things will lead to a proper understanding of things. Otherwise, like the circle on the wall, we'll have a shallow uh, perspective, a shallow understanding of it. Or like the square on the wall, we'll have an altogether wrong and false perspective. Perspective matters. And what we really need tonight and what we need in life, and in light of the COVID-19 right now epidemic or pandemic that we're going through, we need God's Holy Spirit perspective. We need God's Holy Spirit perspective. And what I mean by that is like God is three in one, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It talks about how Jesus says he was raised and the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you and me, right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus says to the disciples, he says, I got to go away. He says, but if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's actually better for you that I go away because I can send you the helper. I can send you the comforter. I can send you one who's going to help you more than I can help you right now. And you know who that was? That was the Holy Spirit. And so he sends down the Holy Spirit. And then for the first time in the world of history where God made the Holy Spirit available to every single man, woman, and child. He said he made him available through Jesus, right? It's like you don't, it's just amazing. And so we see that stuff happen. And so that's what we need tonight. That's what we need in the world. We need some people who are willing to say, hey, God, maybe my perspective's wrong. Maybe I don't understand it all. Would you help me align me with your truth, with your Holy Spirit? Give me your Holy Spirit, right? It's like that's one thing they taught us in Bible college. They said to you want to pray that God would give you his Holy Spirit to illuminate his scripture and that the Holy Spirit would be your teacher. Because if the Holy Spirit inspired men to write it, then the Holy Spirit is the author. We need his help to understand what he wrote. Makes sense, right? So if we want to make proper perspective and have a proper understanding or perception of this whole thing, like we need God's help. We need his perfect pure perspective from heaven. That will be the thing that will guide us. So getting into tonight's text, Philippians chapter one is where we are and we're really just going to go over two verses. We're going to be in the first two verses and it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be our text tonight, and I know some of you are thinking, really, that's it? That's all we're going to go over? But man, I just hope that we could start with some simple perspective. And what I want to note and jot down and think about tonight is Paul. Paul. Paul's the author of this. Paul and Timothy. Paul was the older one. Tim, he saw Timothy as a younger son in the faith where he's like this father figure and son figure. Um, he's kind of discipling him and they're going around, they're planting churches. And so they plant the church at Philippi. And if you want to go and check out some background context about, it, I think it's Acts chapter 16. They're going around, they're on their journey. They make their way to Philippi. They're actually arrested um, at one point and they're singing songs in the jail cell. And then it's like at midnight, they're singing songs, singing praise, which I mean, that's just a great perspective right there. It's like a perspective of praise, no matter what, even if you're in prison, perspective of praise in prison. Come on, say that 10 times fast perspective of praise in prison. Um, Anyways, they're in the jail cell, right? And they're praising God. And then God brings like this earthquake or something. And all of a sudden the whole place rattles, the the gates open up, um, all this stuff. Like they could run away at this point. That would be any like prisoner's dream right now. They're like, man, God, would you just get me out of here? And the next thing you know, there's an earthquake and then your cell is open. You're like, are you serious, Lord? Right? So anyways, they're going, they're praising God, and then the 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 Roman uh, what's his name his the guard the guard there he's he's shaking in his boots right he's afraid for his life he's about to kill himself is what Scripture says like that's how afraid he is like his prisoners are all about to escape he's about to take his life because he's like if I don't if I don't take my life they're gonna crucify me that's gonna be much worse and I don't want to do that and that's so he understood the. Uh, the punishment for this. But anyways, Paul's like, hey, 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 no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't kill yourself. You don't need to do that. We're all here. Chill out. Relax. And then the guy's like, are you kidding me? Right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of putting my own perspective into the scripture. Um, it doesn't tell us everything that happened there. But anyways, the guy doesn't take his life. He actually gives his life to Jesus that day. It's so crazy. It's like he was about to kill himself. Paul's like, hey, don't do that. We're all here. Don't worry, bro. Actually, let me tell you about a God uh, who loves you and wants to give you a better life. And so he gives his life to the Lord. It says that his whole family then gives his life to the Lord. And then they go and they baptize him the next day after Paul and them get out of, out of prison. Pretty crazy stuff. All that to say is they started a church in Philippi, um, Lydia, you read somewhere in Acts chapter 16, she gave her life to the Lord. She's like the first convert in the church of Philippi, a lady, right? It's like, ladies, you matter. So just just so you know, if any guy ever says something like, oh no, uh, you don't matter and ladies don't have any place in the church, it's like the start of the Philippian church was a lady. I mean, as far as we know. So that's pretty cool. Um, so they're they start the church, okay? But what I want to focus more on is, is the, I, the man of Paul, man of Saul, as many of us know. If you guys know, um, if you know Paul, you know that he was formerly Saul. And if you're new to the Bible, you're new to the church tonight, I'm here to tell you about a man who was one thing before Christ, came to know Jesus, Jesus intervened in his life, and then he became a new person, and he had a new name, uh, which is pretty m- miraculous there. And so what he says here in Philippians chapter 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And so it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It's mind-blowing when we try to put this in context because when we put it in the proper perspective, we're like, wait a second. Paul 
used to be Saul. Now he's a servant of Christ Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. And so what we want to, what I want to do is I want to backtrack and we're not going to go through all the Bible and scripture of, of who Saul was. But if you look at Acts chapters, I think it's uh, six and seven, we see the stoning of Stephen happen. We see Acts chapter eight, Saul, Paul, he's there standing by saying, yeah, go ahead. He's ag- agreeing with, he's, um, what's the word? approving of Stephen's execution. And so um, Saul's there. And so he's this guy. He's got these great achievements in that day and age. Man, where am I at here in my notes? At this point in... in, um, At... um, where we're at in Philippians at this point, obviously, he's a full-blown believer. He loves Jesus. He's given his life to Jesus. He does so many amazing things. It's ridiculous. And he's actually writing this from a, uh, a jail cell, and many think in Rome. Um, so he's in prison as he's writing this, and we're going to get an extremely, um, we're going to get a great amount of perspective over the next 10 weeks or so. But um, So he's a Christian at this point, but he wasn't always that. So he, he executes Saul, or not Saul, Stephen. Gosh, sorry, guys. Ah, I got so much I'm trying to remember. Same time. So anyways, he he's a, a murderer, I suppose we could say, right? He's a murderer is what, um, what Saul was. And Saul was his old name. But Saul, this is who he was. He mentions and he talks about this throughout some of his different letters. Acts chapter 22, he mentions it as well. He says that he was a Jew, but that he wasn't just any Jew. He says that he was a Jew of, of Tarsus. And so Tarsus was this Roman area, right? The Romans ruled the city right there. And so what he's saying by that, it's like, I'm a Jew from Tarsus. First off, I'm a Jew. I'm one of God's chosen people. I'm the elect. There's some pride in that is really what's happening back in that day for sure. And even today we see it with some people as well. But he's saying, I'm I'm a Jew, but I'm also born in Tarsus, which means I'm a Roman citizen. And so he's kind of bragging about that at one point. And so in his life, he's like, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. Um, I was born there. I, I have rights there. And it's almost like if you were born in, let's say, I don't know, like Puerto Rico, right? It's like, it's a United States territory. It's like, but it's not necessarily, it hasn't always been part of the United States, right? But you're like, yeah, I was born in Puerto Rico, but I'm an American and I get some rights. And there's some like, some excitement about that. And so he's like, yeah, I'm a Jew, but I'm also a Roman. And then later on, he mentions that he was brought up in Jerusalem and that he was educated by this guy named uh, Gamaliel. Paul or Saul, again, we can say. This is in his former life before he became a Christian, right? He was educated by this guy of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a great teacher. He was probably like, I don't even know who we could equate it to. Like maybe if you were taught math by and different things by Albert Einstein, some genius type of dude, like Gamaliel was like the best of the best at that time, that day and age. It's like, man, you got Gamaliel as your teacher. Uh, that's, that's a big deal. So Gamaliel was a scholar who knew the Torah very well. The Torah would be the first five books of the Old Testament. And if you just think about it for a second, I was thinking about this earlier today. Why are the Jews and the people, why are they so legalistic and why are they so bent on that? Well, it's because they only believe in the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? It's like those are the books that they believe in. And so you think about it, like Genesis is like the beginning of everything, but the beginning of sin. And then what does it say? seem in just those five books, what is God's solution? He's like, the law, Leviticus. And so then all of a sudden they're like, okay, sin's the problem, but the law is the solution. And so they start to think, okay, well, we need to earn God's favor. We need to sacrifice more. And so he's setting up the picture for Jesus eventually that he's going to be the sacrifice for us. But 
Ah, anyways, it's just crazy. So anyways, when we think about them and we just kind of get the perspective, like how could you ever believe that? Well, if that's all you had was those five people, it's like looking at the, the uh, cylinder on the wall and we're like, well, it's just a circle, right? A little shadow on the wall. It's just a circle. I mean, we don't know what it is, but we're like, but it has so much more depth. And so the perspective of them is like, you guys have a little bit of it right, but you're missing so much depth and, and characteristic that God wants to teach you. And so Gamaliel knew all those things. He taught, um, he taught Saul. Saul was his disciple. Um, but Gamaliel also, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. Part of the Sanhedrin, that would be like a a Jewish council or court, really, it'd be just a high prestigious achievement, a, p- a position where, where you say that and be like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Good for you, right? You're doing pretty good for yourself. And so Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel. As a result of that, part of the result of that was that Paul was taught to hold strictly to the law, right? To be zealous for God. It's like, if you want to do something good for God, you need to hold to the law because that's what, again, those first five books of the Bible, if that's all you had, that's probably what you would think, you and I would think too. We'd be like, well, I better just start trying to achieve God's favor and do enough good works and sacrifice enough things so that hopefully my sins atone for. But if we know anything, we go to Hebrews and we look at the Bible in the whole perspective and context of things, it's like we can never sacrifice enough. Only Jesus could fulfill that sacrifice. And so Paul or Saul, again, he was extremely zealous for God, but he was trying to uphold the law because that was the one perspective that he had. He only ever had really one side of the story. And since he had the wrong perspective, guys, check it out, it led him to do wrong things. It led him to a false perception, a false understanding of why he was here on earth. And man, how many people is that, is that like that today? Maybe you guys are joining me online today and you're just sort of listening to this. Like how many of you guys have done wrong things and you've gone wrong ways with your life? You've just, you kind of wasted things in your life because you had a wrong perspective or perception of who you were. You thought you were made to do one thing and then you tried it out, you failed. And now it's like God's just rebuilding your perspective and your perception of, of who you are. That's what we see with Saul. Uh, Saul was a, also, he writes, he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, again, he's just like, I was a, uh, I was a pretty good, a good guy in terms of the world. And so his perception of things was that any Christian deserved death, um, deserved imprisonment. Um, Saul was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. And again, that's just a kind of a prestigious thing. It's a great achievement really to men in those days and something that they would boast in. I'm sure that they did because Jesus rebuked them, said, don't stand on the corner like the Pharisees who pray and hope for the many words that they'll be heard by God. And they try to do all these good things and they dress in their robes so that people know that they're special, right? It's like the Pharisees did boast in these things. And so Paul was a part of that. And as a Pharisee, again, he held to this high standard of the law and he tried to, uh, he tried to hold that against anybody who said Jesus was, uh, was king. And so he said, I forget where it is. I think it's Acts chapter 9. It says that he per- persecuted anybody who was part of the way, meaning anyone who was a Christian who said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's like, no, that's not going to fly. And actually he goes to um, one of the courts and he says, hey, give me this letter so that I can go to the temple. And if anybody is a part of that, I can bring them back, bind them up, and we can throw them in prison. That's what he's doing. 
And so that was Saul beforehand. He was a guy who would just look to murder Christians. I mean, I really believe he was a murderer of Christians. At least he was one who approved of murder and he said it was okay. And I really believe what he thought in his mind, his perspective, it wasn't that he was going astray for God. He really thought that he was okay with God. He thought that he was doing God's will. It's like, no, that's not okay. Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. Like, we're waiting for our Messiah. That's what Jews today still think. They think, like, no, no, uh, Jesus isn't our Messiah. We're waiting for the one to come. It's like, but then we look at all of Scripture. We look at the fulfillment of prophecies and all those things in the Bible. And it's like, no, Jesus is the Messiah. He has come. Uh, man, and so it's exciting. But Saul, uh, Saul's a murderer. He was uh, a persecutor of the church, and uh, he, was, he was doing Satan's work, if you think about it. He was stealing hope, he was killing joy, and he was trying to destroy faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Saul was doing in his former life. And this, my friends, is really what happens when we have a, a wrong, false perspective, or if we have an incorrect perspective of why we're here. We end up living our life for a lie. What we see what Saul did. He was very prestigious, very wealthy. He got to a lot of things, and he even says it later in Philippians chapter 3. And he says, I did all these things. I achieved all this stuff. Like if anyone had a reason to boast, I had a reason to boast. But then he says, I count it all loss, and it's all garbage compared to um, knowing Jesus, pursuing Christ. And so, but when we have that messed up perspective and we don't understand things, we end up chasing a lie. We end up devoting ourselves to things that we think will bring life. We think will bring fulfillment and joy and happiness, but then it actually brings the opposite. It brings death. It brings uh, depression. It brings just all these questions. And so, so what we see is Paul or Saul. I keep calling him Paul, but Saul in his old days, his old name, was persecuting the church. And a few things to note as far as perception or perspective and perception, Saul. Saul. Better call Saul. Anybody seen that? No? Good. Don't worry about it. All right. Saul. Saul saw himself as an educated man. He writes that in Acts chapter 22. He says that he was educated at the feet of Gamil. Saul saw himself as a prestigious man. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews in Philippians chapter 3. Saul saw himself as a zealous man. He's like, I was incredibly zealous. And he saw himself as blameless, he even writes in one point. He says, I was blameless. In, in regards to the law, I was blameless. Like, I upheld it all, everything um, in it, right? And so he's like, I'm, I got it going on. And so then Saul, though, in Acts chapter 9, go check this out again for some homework on the side. Acts chapter 9, God intervenes in his life. Man, let me just tell you, it's like sometimes when you don't see things right, God will smack you upside the head so hard that all of a sudden your sight becomes uh, right where it needs to be. He's like, you think you know it, you think you got it together, but you don't. Let me help you. And so Acts chapter 9, he's going to persecute Christians, and then God comes in, intervenes, a great light comes, boom! All of a sudden, Saul is blind, and he hears from God. It says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then so then Saul, what does he say to him? He says, well, who, who are you? Lord? Question mark. Who are you, Lord? Question mark. It's like, and then he says, yes, I am Jesus Christ whom you persecute. Man, talk about an intervention. 
Talk about a change of perspective where it's like you thought you were going the right way. You thought you knew it all, Paul, um, but you don't. And so let me help you out. Let me intervene in your life. And that's what God will do in your life, guys. It might not be as, as crazy and um, dramatic as Saul with the light on the road to Damascus, but God will intervene in your life. For me, I've shared this with you guys a little bit. Many of you know my story, uh, but for me, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was living life a bit and, and getting away with it. And then God intervened. I found myself in a jail cell, not because I was preaching the gospel, but because I was doing everything contrary to that. And um, found myself in a jail cell wondering, what, what am I doing with my life? Found myself in this jail cell, and I feel like God told me at that moment, He said, Nick, you can either continue to go your way, uh, which was doing drugs and alcohol and doing everything in between. You can keep going your way, Nick, and you can keep doing whatever you want to do, but you're going to keep getting more of what you have. And that's, that's how I heard it from the Lord in my heart, in my head, however you want to talk about it. Like, you know when God's talking to you, we're like, man, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Lord. And I was like, and I know, so if I keep pursuing my own way, I'm just going to get more of what I have. Well, what do I have? Well, I'm in jail. My car's impounded. Uh, I'm going to get a bunch of tickets and stuff. And I got, ended up getting a, a DUI, for those of you who don't know. Um, and man, it was hard. And God's like, you can either have more of this and keep doing what you want to do. He says, or you can follow me. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, follow you. Like, what does that mean, God? Like, where am I going to work? What am I going to do? What does that mean for the rest of my life? And God didn't give it all to me up front. He just left it at that. Nick, you can either continue doing what you're doing and get more destruction, or you can follow me and you can find life. But uh, I'm not going to tell you or show you everything. Like Habakkuk chapter 1, he says, uh, God says to Habakkuk, he says, look out among this thing. He says, I'm doing a work that you wouldn't believe if I told you. He's like, it's so good. It's so magnificent that if I told you, like it wouldn't even happen. And actually Habakkuk, it's like, it's so bad, Habakkuk. It's going to get so bad that you wouldn't believe that I'm actually going to redeem it and restore it because it's that crazy of a story. Anyways, perspective. God has a, a crazy big perspective that we can't even understand. And so what I wanted to say and getting back to my point, it was just that God will intervene in your life. When you have a wrong perspective, God's going to try and he's going to intervene. He'll bring in something, a little bit of humbling, a little wisdom. Maybe one of your friends or family members comes to you and says, hey, like, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you acting this way? Why are you pursuing these things? Why are you in this relationship that you know you shouldn't be in? Right? Things of that nature, those are things that would challenge your perspective of life, where you think, well, I'm just pursuing love and, and happiness. But really, it's like you're pursuing, uh, uh, you're, you're pursuing something, trying to find, um, what's it, trying to find um, significance apart from God is really what happens with some of those things. And so God will intervene in your life. And so he intervenes into Saul's life, has this spiritual LASIK surgery kind of thing. And all of a sudden, boom, Paul's perspective is changed. And now he's blinded. He goes to this house. Check this out. And so he goes to this house. God tells Paul or Saul, whoever you want to call him at this point, he says, hey, he gives him this vision. This guy named Ananias is going to come here. He's going to lay hands on you. He's going to pray for you. And you're actually going to be healed. Um, and he tells him that. And then at the same time, he's telling Ananias, he's like, hey, Ananias, and this isn't in a dream or a vision. And he says, he says, uh, Ananias, uh, I want you to go to Saul of Tarsus. He's waiting at this place. He's blind. And I need you to go, essentially, I need you to go pray for him and heal, for, heal him. Ananias is like, God, like the dude who was killing Christians yesterday, like, 
You know what I mean? Like that'd be a little concerning, but he goes, he does it anyways. And just imagine that moment where it's like all of a sudden, like Ananias walks in the room. First off, he's like, oh my gosh, Paul's here. Like for real, like God, that was a God moment. Like if you did something like that in life where someone's like, hey, go to this one spot. There's this guy waiting for you. And you go to that spot and there's a guy waiting for you. Like, oh my gosh, God, you're crazy, man. This is a crazy moment. He's really here. Um, I know that's how I would be. And then imagine for Paul, he's like, you said some dude named Ananias would come. And then all of a sudden, like this dude's like, hey, um, I'm here looking for Paul and my name's Ananias. And then all, he's like, I- I'm over here. You know, I'm over here with his eyes closed, like, hey, I'm here. I need the healing, right? And so anyway, just imagine just the God moment in that where it's like God just telling Paul, like, I am God. You didn't know. You thought you saw before, but you didn't know what you were really going after. You thought you had perspective and understanding, but man, you were so wrong. You thought that you were looking at a square, like my illustration earlier, but he's like, but you're looking at a cylinder. You were so wrong, so off, man. And so... A man who once saw himself as so prideful, now in Philippians chapter 1, calls himself a servant. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus. Servants of Jesus. So Paul, his perspective was corrected. And, and what we can even build upon this is like that as he was, had this intervention with God, Paul's perspective of himself changed from one of a prideful successful man to to a a sinful man that's what his perspective changed from in first timothy chapter one paul writes that i am the chief sinner i'm the foremost i'm the worst is what he's saying I'm the worst sinner. And so again, what has to happen in your life to go from being like, hey, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a student of Gamaliel, man. I like, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the bomb. I knew it. I had it going on, guys. I I was on on target to, to be super successful. And then now he's like, I'm actually the worst sinner. Like that has to be of God. That's a perspective change there. And that's something that we all need in our life. We need to have that perspective change where he's like, I'm the chief sinner. I'm unworthy. I'm a failure. And he even says like everything that I gained before all of that success, he's like, it's actually all worthless. He's like, it was all kind of a waste of time, really. And so he would start to think probably I would assume, I mean, at first anyways, how foolish he was to pursue all of these worldly things. And to pursue trying to destroy God's church. And now he realizes that, man, God, you are actually, you're real and you are Jesus. And so what I want to try to end on tonight, I mean, the again, with two verses, Paul and Timothy says, servants of Christ Jesus. And I just want to hit the note. It's like, well, what would cause a man who was super prideful and successful to now call himself a servant of Christ Jesus? Well, it's a perspective change. It's a work of God. It's a work of God. And what happens with that is like where Paul on the road to Damascus had that intervention with God where he came in. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like we have to start there where he says, Nick, what are you doing? Why are you going against things? You know, hey, you in the chat, like why, why aren't you submitting to me? Like I know that you know some things. It's like, but he's like, I want to give you a broader perspective. I want to get you a deeper understanding of who you are and what you're made to be. And so that really only starts with, and you can only call yourself a servant of Jesus when you start to realize who Jesus really is. 
Otherwise, submission and servanthood to Jesus, it just sounds like cruel, unusual punishment. Like, why would I submit to somebody, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea of the, the world these days, for sure. Is like, no, I'm not going to serve anybody. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to do this and that, be successful, yada, yada, right? But it's like to say that I'm a servant. No, like I'm not successful. No, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I've done or what I've achieved in the past. It's all about Jesus. And to be able to say that truly and fully and wholeheartedly, it's like you have to have an intervention and a in a moment with Jesus. And that's where perspective starts. A proper perspective starts with proper um, view of Jesus. We got to know God. If you believe that, if you're still tracking with us in here, can you just give me an amen just to let me know that you're here, that you're tracking with me? Proper perspective in life of who you are, what God wants to do with you, it starts with Jesus. Proper view of Jesus. If you don't know who Jesus is, then your perspective is going to be all off. Your perspective is going to be all off. We have to know Jesus. And once you know Jesus and you realize, hey, this is God. He loves me so much. He came here to show me the way. That, and He came here to teach me the truth. And He get, came here to give me life. And He says, I didn't come here just to condemn you. He said, I came here to give you life and life abundantly. And like I said earlier, He says, man, if I'm going away to prepare a place for you, the next thing He says, like, I'm going to come back and get you. Like, that's Jesus. And so when we start to know Jesus as God, as this loving, compassionate God, and that's really what you see throughout um, the Gospels is this compassionate God, Jesus, God in the flesh, where I think as people of the Old Testament and even people today, they say, I can't believe in a God because he's so wrathful and angry. And how can you believe in a God who would allow all this stuff? It's like, but when you actually look at scripture and you start to broaden your perspective and your perception of who God really is in his word, you start to realize that he's not an angry, crazy God who hates everybody. He's so, he loves us so much that he, is, he, he will allow bad things to happen in our life because He wants you to wake up. He wants you to get it together. And so it starts with knowing Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, then you don't know much. i got to say that. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know much. If you want perspective on life, on who you are, who you're made to be. You need to know who Jesus is. And as you know who Jesus is, then you will gain perspective on who you are. And that's what I believe Paul has here. As he gained perspective of who Jesus was, and in Acts it says that after he was, um, after he was converted, essentially after his eyes were open, um, his whole conversion, it says that he went off, I believe it's into like Arabia for three years. And I think this is actually in Galatians um, if I, if I remember. And he's, he's recounting the, the account, right? He's just like, hey, um, this is what I did. He's like, I went off into Arabia. I didn't go up to see the brothers and the disciples right away. I went off for three years um, to, to this other place, out into the wilderness. In a sense, what he's saying is I got alone. It was just me and God because I needed to know this God who I, who I thought so many wrong things of. Like imagine, again, he thought he had it together. Like he was a PhD in Judaism, in Phariseeism, in all of those things. And then all of a sudden his world's flipped upside down. And God's like, hey, everything that you believe is wrong. Imagine that. 
So then you would need like, hey, okay, guy, like I need this, like I need to control alt, delete all of this information in my head, throw it in the trash, empty the trash, and I need a new upload of information right now. So he takes that season, I believe, where he's like, God, just teach me examining the scripture where I just believe he's probably flipping through scripture and he's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I didn't see it. He's like, this whole time I've been thinking Isaiah 53 meant something else or whatever he thought, right? And he's like, and then he reads it and he's like, this is Jesus. Psalm 22, reading through it, he's like, oh my gosh, I knew this one. And it was a beautiful psalm. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? And it's like, and then all of a sudden he realizes in that moment maybe that this is Jesus. It's speaking of Jesus. And so Paul's all of a sudden enlightened and he realizes who Jesus is. And then as you realize who Jesus is, you start to realize who you are. If you want to know who you are, you need to know who your maker is because you were made in his image. Paul says, a servant, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I mentioned it last week because Peter said it in his, mess, or his letter. He says that I'm a servant and an apostle of Christ Jesus. And Paul writes here that I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. It's the word doulos. That word doulos means a, uh, a bond servant. And a bond servant is the idea like, hey, you're my slave, but you could go at any point. Like, if you want to hang out and you want to serve and, and help me, whatever, you can, but you can also leave freely. You're not held here. And so that's the idea of bond servant, where they're like, I just submitting myself to Jesus because he loves me so much. I want to love him in return. He died for me. I want to live for him. And so now I'm just going to submit myself as this servant, as this slave, as this bond servant, this doulos. God, here I am. Use me. I just love it. And so as you get to know your creator, you get to know yourself because, again, you're made in his, his image. And as you get to start to see him, you, you start to get a, ga- a good perspective of Jesus and God and his word. Then you start to see yourself for who he calls you. See, without Jesus, we don't have a proper perspective on our life. We think that we need to be successful. We need to make a lot of money. We need to make a name for ourselves. We need to get a, a, I don't know what, we, what people think anymore these days. Like, it's just crazy. Like, this world is crazy. People think so many things are going to fulfill and satisfy. And that's what Satan does. He throws these smoke screens in front of us. But then we're all left empty um, and, and void in the end where we're like, man, I thought that relationship was going to fulfill and satisfy. And then we try that out for a month or two. And then you're like, oh my gosh, that didn't satisfy. And you try to find another one and that doesn't satisfy either. And then you're like, maybe I'll try drinking. Maybe I'll try drugs. Maybe I'll try just going and hustling and making a bunch of money. And none of it satisfies. And we're like, what's going on? Well, you'll find satisfaction when you start to find your Savior. And so once we start to know who He is, we find ourselves and we find who He calls us. He calls us throughout Scripture that we are His children. We are His loved ones, His beloved. We are forgiven. We're chosen. We're elect. Like That's an amazing statement where you just, all of a sudden when you get that perspective and that um, perception of who God is when He's like your Father and He's like, I love you so much. See, some of our perspective is so thrown off in life because you didn't have a Father who loved you and ever said, hey, I'm proud of you, son. Right? Or, or didn't say, hey, I love you, daughter. It didn't check in on you. didn't take you out anywhere. didn't make you feel of any type of value. But then you take that perception and you bring that and that perspective and you bring it into your relationship with God. And you're like, well, how can a God love me when I've done all these things so wrong? You see what I'm saying? A wrong perspective will bring wrong 
perception, and that's just going to come into our every little aspect of our life. And so we got to have proper perspective so we can have proper perception of who we are, but not only who we are, but of who God is. So he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. And so he's writing this to the church, essentially. He's writing it to all the believers, and he's writing it to all the leaders in the church. So it's an important message. Um, And this is what he says, the last verse of today that we will get into. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to say, God, guys, uh, what can change your perspective like it changed Paul's is God's grace. Start to learn God's grace. Dive into God's grace. Look at it from all angles of Scripture all over the place and in your life. And look at the favor and the things that He's given you and allowed you to do and go through. And the the mistakes that you've made that you didn't have to go to prison for maybe. You didn't get in trouble. Um, You didn't... You know what I mean? Like that's God's grace where He's like, Yeah, you deserve death, but I'm going to give you life. Yeah, you deserve some punishment, but I'm going to... I'm going to give you another opportunity. I think of grace like this sometimes, and I shared this before with the college group that I used to, uh, I used to lead. But my son, some of you know him, but if you don't, he's almost four years old, so he's a little kid, right? He can talk and all that good stuff. He's amazing. He's exciting. But just imagine, so we fast forward like 10 years from now, and he's turned... Uh, turns 14 and I'm just like, okay, hey son, you know what? You can take my truck out and drive it. And some of you know, um, I have two trucks. I have a blue truck, my old blue 86 Toyota pickup, which I love. Uh, It's an amazing truck. Some of you would probably say I beg to differ. It's a matter of perspective. Let me just say that. Um, But anyways, this is, this is the idea of grace. I say, hey, Lucas, here, you can have my blue truck. Go out and drive it. I know you're 14 years old. You probably shouldn't be driving anyways, right? But he goes out and drives it. He wrecks it into a pole, um, or maybe even this. Maybe, maybe I didn't give him permission. It's probably a better example of this. I didn't give him permission. He takes it out. He runs it into a pole, crashes it, totals it. Man, it's gone. My favorite thing ever, my love, my pride and joy. I've built, rebuilt the engine. I put all this work into it. He, he destroys it. Well, grace, um, grace would be me saying, hey, son, I know, I know you crashed it. I know you, you took it out. You probably shouldn't have been driving. You probably shouldn't have been doing those things. But hey, look, uh, we're going to forget about it. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. So he, he, what he would deserve is like, hey, you just don't get to drive again. What he doesn't deserve is another chance or a new car. And this is what he does. This is what God does. He says, yeah, I know you wrecked your life and you made a mess of it. I know you totaled your life, but he's like, hey, check it out. We're actually, like grace for my son would be like, I'm going to take you to the dealership. We're going to pick out a brand new 2020 Toyota Tundra with all the bells and whistles. And I'm going to get you that. Like that's grace. Like you don't deserve it. And that's what God does to us. He's like, I know you made a wreck of your life. You you messed up. You made some wrong turns. And even if you look at Saul, it's like, I know you were persecuting the church. I know you even helped kill some people who believed in me. Just again, think how crazy that is. And God's like, I know that, but I'm going to take you and I'm actually going to give you something better than you had anyways. I'm going to give you eternal, abundant life. I'm going to give you hope, joy, peace, patience, uh, self-control, all of the fruits of the Spirit, right? He's like, I'm going to give you comfort. I'm going to give you, I'm going to be your provider in times of need. In a time of a pandemic, I'm going to be your protection. 
And so he's like, I'm going to give you grace. And what I want to leave you guys with today is that the same grace that changed Paul's perspective, the same God of that grace, he's the same God today. He's still alive and active, and he wants to show you and I that grace as well. And I hope that you would come to gain a deeper perspective of God and his grace. And as I said before, as you get to know God, you'll get to know who you are. And as you get to know who you are, it'll change your perspective of everything going on around you. Rather than looking at this thing as some, uh, rather than letting our circumstances and our, our situations dictate our, our hope, our joy, our peace, our comfort, right? Right now, like in, this midst, in the midst of this pandemic, we can look at it and we say, well, the economy's not doing good, so there's not much hope in my stock that I have in my 401k retirement plan. Well, I just got laid off from my job, so there's not much peace in, in my heart, and I got, I'm kind of anxious and anxiety. It's like, well, my bills are due, so there's not much comfort there. And when we look at our circumstances, it, it disrupts our perspective that it, you know, it messes with us. But if we can have our perspective rooted in and grounded in Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden we look at our circumstances in perspective, and it's like the world's going crazy, and man, our 401k's going down, and the economy's going down, and, I, and maybe we lose our job for a time we're laid off, and there's no comfort um, because our bills are due. We're like, I don't care because my comfort, my hope, my joy, my peace, my, my protection doesn't come from the world anyways. Come on, guys. Come on, somebody who's tracking with me. It's like it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. God is still God. God is still good. And I'm going to serve him because he's so gracious, because he deserves it, because I was made for this. I was made for him. And so as we dive into this letter over the next few uh, weeks, probably around 10 weeks or so, we're going to look at Paul's perspective of his situation But tonight what we're just doing is we're just scratching the surface. And what I want to encourage you guys is to look at your own perspective of God because that's where it all starts. If we don't have a good perspective of God, then everything else isn't going to really matter. It's not going to come into focus until we can focus on God. So get your perspective on Him. And then we'll dive into the rest of how can Paul have joy in the midst of such circumstances that he's facing. All right? So let's pray. And then uh, and I'll let you guys go. So, Father, we thank you for this time that we can study online. God, I pray that it was a blessing to all those who tuned in. I pray that, God, you made sense of the words that were coming out of my mouth, God. And I just pray, God, that you would show us who you are, that you would give us perspective of you, of your grace, Lord, that you would give us your Holy Spirit so that we could see things the way that you see them, God, that we wouldn't get all flustered and anxiety and worried and anxious, um, I mean, Um, when we look at things that are happening in the world, but that we would look to you and we say, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world because you're still God and you are good, God. And we just, we want to live for you. So give us that perspective. Give us that heart, Lord. Work in us this week, God, we pray. And we love you so much. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And we said, amen.